Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I am Joey Boudreau. And I'm Sally Gentry. And we are so glad that you choose to tune in, and you'll be glad you did so today. Lots happening on this episode. We'll have the president and CEO of Donate Life America. Uh, one of the things that we'll be talking about is a grand partnership with it's coming. Oh, That's it's right. so great. Yes. And in recovery, we're going to be talking to a recipient who is 30 years out <gasps> from receiving his life-saving wow. gift. Wow. Isn't that amazing, that y'all? That is amazing. And in the Family Services Support segment, we're going to be talking with uh, Sharon Westbury. She is a child life program manager at Our Lady of the Lake Hospital, and she's going to share some information about children and grief. Really good. And what's to come in Louisiana, you'll want to stay tuned. As always, we'll honor a hero and there's just so much here. We want people to hear it. And so we want you, you right there, I'm talking to you. We want you to help spread the word. Um, so sharing the podcast, pretty Ab- easy. Absolutely. Yeah? Spread the word. Listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, or whatever your favorite app may be. Yeah, or, or simply uh, press a button on social media. Yeah. So for Facebook, a simple share could help us out so much. We're Donate Life Louisiana. Also on Twitter and Instagram at Donate Life LA. A lot of what you hear here on this podcast, you'll see um, in pictures and stories on those social media outlets. And then, you know, the hotline and, guys. And yeah. I really want to encourage you all uh, to give us a call, 504 648 Three four seven seven, and the reason why I'm saying I'm encouraging you is that we want you to call in, maybe wish someone well that's perhaps on the transplant waiting list. Maybe they've already had a transplant, or you just want to call and and, and give a friendly shout out to someone that you care about. We want to hear from you. Say hey. And yes, that is five zero four six four eight three four seven seven. She knows it by memory. She wasn't even looking at a go. piece of paper. You're right. Uh, but there's something about me that makes me smile when Sally says shout out. I just love it. <laughs> All right. So get on that hotline recording and we may play your audio. Um, in this episode of the podcast, uh, we have uh, one of those snippets to share with you. And it's so good. So inspirational. So get on board today. Let's get started, guys. Here we go. In our community segment today, we are pleased to have the president and CEO of Donate Life America, David Fleming, joining us for a huge announcement. Apple and Donate Life America partnering for the first time ever. What's happening, Joey and Sally's iPhone users will be able to sign up to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor, right? From an app on their phone. It puts a smile on my face. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, David, first of all, for coming on to the Gifted Life podcast. And I myself am an iPhone user. I've been for quite a while. And uh, I want to know, actually, to begin, uh, what steps do I need to take to be able to sign on the registry? Well, sure. So I'm actually doing this podcast from an iPhone, so we're all in the same family. (laughs) Um, So uh, when in the fall, when iOS 10 is available, you just update your iOS software like you typically would whenever we get an update from Apple. Um, And then I would encourage people to go through the onboarding process for using the health app on their iPhone. 
And that onboarding process is going to ask you some questions, birth date, those kinds of things. And when you're done with that onboarding process, you're going to have the option. It's going to ask you if you want to register your decision to be an organized tissue donor. If you say yes, then a screen is going to magically appear on your phone. It's going to have pre-populated all of the information that you have entered that we need to register you as an organized tissue donor in the National Donate Life Registry at registerme.org. Um, the only thing you're going to have to add is the last four of your social security number. You press register and you're done. Uh, so if you go through the onboarding process in the health app, which is pretty quick, you just have to add four digits, press send, register, um, and you're done. It's that easy. And if for some reason you don't want to go through the onboarding process, you can go in through medical ID to also register your decision to be a donor. You're just going to have to fill in the information like your birth date, where you live, that kind of information that you would not have entered through the health app onboarding process. David, I have a question. Uh, this is really a big partnership. Tell us how it all got started. Uh, well, sure. You know, I was sitting at my desk one day and I got one of those phone calls that you kind of dream about when you're an executive that works in in a donation or in a nonprofit, or, or frankly, you work for anybody. Um, and it was a representative from Apple um, saying that they wanted to have a conversation about how they could help. Wow. And um, it was a, an, an individual, I, you know, I would call her our internal champion. Um, we'll, we'll call her Christine. And Christine <laughs> said that Apple had done their research. They had looked at other organizations and thought about who they wanted to partner with. And we feel very fortunate that their decision led them to want to partner with Donate Life America. So I think the average person probably thinks that we were beating down Apple's doors and that this was one of those incredible opportunities where Apple actually came to us and said, we want to help. Wow, that's great. And that was a couple of years ago. And so we started down the path and very quickly figured out that assistance using their technology to get people to register that legally binding gift to be a donor was, you know, pretty quickly rose to the top. Um, as a priority that Apple wanted to tackle with Donate Life America. Not many people get that phone call. Wow, that's amazing. So, David, in the past, when we do registry pushes, it's pushed through individual states. So how is this different, or is it? It's legally binding, just like you were registering in your state registry. Um, one of the nice things about the Uniform Anatomical Gift Act that makes organized and tissue donation legal in every state is that it has an accommodation there for online registries. Um, so we worked with council both inside the community and outside of the community to make sure that we were designing a registry that would be legally binding in each state. The thing that's a little bit different, this is not tied to a driver's license transaction, which so many of our state registrations are. And I really want to make sure people hear loud and clear that our favorite partners are our DMV partners. They are incredible. They've helped us register 130 million Americans, and that's great. Um, but we also recognize that, you know, there are some advantages. We can streamline the process. We can make sure it's mobile-friendly. We can offer people an opportunity to register outside of a driver's license or similar transaction. So the way it's different is that it's not linked to a DMV transaction. So if your driver's license expires in Louisiana or Virginia, we don't lose your registration if you're registered at the national level. Um, so it sort of transcends state barriers, if you will. We think about it as an umbrella registry that lays over top of all of our state registries. So I'm sitting here with an Android phone, and I see Lori and Joey <laughs> both have iPhones. Ooh. And uh, David. And David. <laughs> and David. Yeah, and David. So uh, will that come about for those of us with the Android phone? Well, we are, uh, we're trying our best to find some good connections into Google and Android. Um, one of the nice things about Apple is they truly uh, – they're in it for the right reason. So uh -huh. while they certainly wanted to pioneer this first, uh -huh. 
um, sort of there's no pride in authorship. So we're certainly going to be trying to do this on other phones. But the biggest thing I will say is that, you know, if you're an Android user, you can go to registerme.org right now, and it'll take you less than a minute to register your decision to be a donor. So you don't have to wait until we put it on your phone. You don't have to wait until we get into the Android operating system, and you can do it right now. Great. Good information. Thanks. Well, David, you talked about 130 million people in the registry. Do you guys have any goals or or what do you project as uh, hopefully a bump that we'll see? Um, Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. I mean, we have 52% of adults over the age of 18 in this country are registered, uh, which is fantastic. And as I said, DMV has been a huge part of that. The challenge we have is that people, for whatever reason, there's a percentage of the population that is just not taking advantage of the opportunity to register through a DMV transaction. I don't know why. Um, I usually think we don't do things as human beings because of fear, and that fear sort of rears its head in a number of different ways. There are lots of myths and misconceptions out there about donation and transplantation. Um, so Register Me and the National Registry is, is intended to provide marketing professionals, people on the ground, people working um, at a grassroots level, more touch points with the American public. So if you're waiting in line at a football game, we can tell you to register to be a donor. You don't have to wait till you get the DMV. So it's really creating these, um, in our society, I would say these atypical touch points for organized tissue donation beyond the DMV transaction, which we have become so accustomed to taking advantage of. And I never answered your question, so I'll get back to your question, which is what's our goal? Um, So we have 52% of adults. Um, If we look at our high-performing states, they're kind of topping out at that 75 80% range. Um, So while we haven't talked about it nationally, I think certainly my personal goal is I'd I'd love to get to 75% of adults in this country being registered, Um, which, you know, that'd be another 50, 60 million people. It's a pretty big number. Wow. Now, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit because apparently you've given this some thought, Uh, but future campaigns, promotions around this app and and what's to come? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing we're going to do immediately is right now our call to action at the state level is, you know, maybe register in your state registry or register when you go to the DMV at the national level or pointing people to registerme.org. We're seeing more and more people take advantage of this national call to action. Um, But what we will immediately begin doing when this is available to 100 plus million iPhone users in the fall is adding that call to action. Um, so if we have a public service announcement, it's going to be go to registerme.org or register via iPhone. So we're going to be tagging everything we do with this option that, hey, if you get an iPhone, you can do it right now. Just because it's going to be a little bit more streamlined, a little bit quicker, especially if they've already onboarded through the health app. So that'll be number one. Um, now that we have iPhone, we're certainly going to be you know, trying to appeal to iPhone users. I don't know what that's going to look like, but we're going to be targeting those folks that are um, iPhoneites as I like to call them, mm-hmm. um, and appealing to Join sort of that culture, um, you know, uh, to get them to register. But the biggest thing is just going to be adding this level and this call to action um, and figuring out how we can take advantage of the fact that it's right there on your phone. So if we're targeting an iPhone user, it's click here to register, and boom, we open that screen for you to get the process started. Done. And so you said this is coming with the next upgrade, and we're thinking early fall? Um, the only phrase that Apple is comfortable with us <laughs> using is, Fall. fall. Okay. So I don't know how they define fall, but 
fall. Wow. Okay. So be on the lookout. I and assume of course, that means sometime after August, but that's about all I can tell you. <laughs> well, that's fall. So yeah, we're right. We're right in there. All right. Well, we certainly <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to join us today to explain what's to come and how we can make a difference from our phone, which is amazing. Uh, David Fleming, president and CEO of Donate Life America. In our recovery segment today, quite a story, yep. history making, which is amazing. That's right. We've got Mr. Ezel Holland with us, who has received a kidney transplant, get this, 30 years ago. Look how excited we are. Like, this That's, is amazing. That is amazing. It's awesome. Especially, you know, back then, you think transplants may last for about 10 years or 12 years. But Mr. Holland here has a kidney transplant that's been going on strong for 30 years. How you doing, Mr. Ezo? Doing fine. Yes. How's that kidney of yours? But it will be 30 years October the 20th. That is fantastic. Wow. Now, just to do some quick math for those of you who are listening, we said 30 years ago. But uh, so he said October 20th, 1986 is when Mr. Ezel received his gift of life, his second chance. Can you walk us through why you needed a transplant, Mr. Ezel? Well, I had suffering with high blood pressure, and uh, the high blood pressure shot him out. So back then, of course, dialysis was a, a common thing, but transplant really wasn't. Did a doctor talk to you about, you know, needing a transplant or maybe getting a transplant? How'd that come about? Did that come out when I was doing dialysis, the doctors all come around and the nurse and talk about it. I was a good candidate for a transplant. So I got on the list. So what were you thinking when they said transplant? Because there weren't a whole lot of transplants going on back then. Well, I didn't know too, nothing about it too much, neither myself. They said I was a good candidate for a transplant, and so I went for it. Oh, man. When they transplanted it, and, they, and the doctor said they took the clamp off, and let the blood start flowing through, so that kidney started working oh, fine wow. right then. That is amazing. So tell us about life before the transplant. Were you not able to, to do certain things? Were you on dialysis? And then tell us about life, like when you said it started clicking and working. Um, can you tell us about that? Well, when I was on dialysis, when I go to dialysis, I had to come home, get in the bed, sit in the bed, all the rest of that day, and mostly all the next day. And if I sit up, I would fall and hit the floor because my blood pressure would bum out just like that when I was on dialysis. Then having cramps and all that kind of stuff, you couldn't do nothing. Get up, walk it, my pressure just stayed low until I got the transplant. And then you get this transplant. And now you're not tied to this dialysis machine, and you don't have all this low blood pressure. So tell me how that made you feel then. Yeah, that made you feel like you're a brand new person. I bet. You drink as much fluid you want and eat what you want and go on about your business. That must Aww, have been amazing. <laughs> Back yes, to life. So, Mr. Easel, I have a question. This is Sally. Uh, were you given any information about who your donor was at the time? They would not tell me anything. They, all they told me said, all you need to know is you got an adult kidney. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, times have changed. Yeah, times have changed. Yeah, that's wonderful. What would you have said, or, or have you ever thought about these 30 years, like uh, what you would say to that family um, of that hero? Yes, I would tell them to just thank God. May God bless you forever for letting him be an organ, the organ donor. That's amazing. So, so he shifts out of more than more just me, he yeah. or she or whatever. Yeah. 
I tell you what, Mr. Ezel, you are a, certainly uh, an inspiration to everyone. Obviously, you've t- taken very good care of, of that precious gift that you got. Uh, I really yeah. want to thank you for coming on, and thank you again for being an inspiration to us. Yeah, you are very welcome. You I take, like his energy. That's right. I like to hang out with you, Mr. Ezel. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 30 years out from his kidney transplant. That transplant was performed back in 1986. What and I never story. had not one episode of rejection, and I was with the, I saw my doctor yesterday, Dr. Lindbergh. She's a bone and shown specialist, and she said she's amazed to see how this kidney working so long, working so well, and it is, but after having it 30 years. Wow, pretty good match. Yep. Yes, Obviously, indeed. you had some more work left to do, huh, Mr. Ezel? Looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your story. That's just inspiring, and Hearing him talk, I'm, I'm smiling here the oh, whole yeah. time, right? 30 years out from transplant. That is amazing. More to come here on The Gifted Life. In our family services segment today on this episode of The Gifted Life, we are talking about children and grief. Yeah, working with children who have lost or are losing a parent or a sibling. Really tough work. Here's Sally to kick it off. It is my pleasure to introduce Sharon Westbury. She's the manager of the Child Life Department at Lady of the Lake Hospital. Hi, Sharon. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about your program and Uh, what you and your staff do to help children uh, handle grief and what you do that that helps them through this process. Okay. Um, Well, I'm a child life specialist um, by training, and I have an amazing team of child life specialists. We have about nine child life specialists in our department, and we work with children who come through Our Lady of the Lake Children's Hospital from the emergency room to surgery, um, inpatient units, which would include our intensive care, our oncology unit, our general pediatric unit. Um, But we are basically here to focus on the hospital stay of a child, um, which at times does incorporate or include working with our families at end of life. So when a child comes in, say a traumatic experience or traumatic event has occurred, um, we oftentimes can encounter that in the emergency room. Um, So a child life specialist responds to our trauma alerts with our families, and if the child is... um, not awake and alert, then we're there to offer the support to the family and just to kind of help them along that journey of the experience of that trauma, Um, just explaining to them what the doctors are doing, what the medical team is doing to help them, Um, and also making sure if siblings um, are part of that family that the family knows how to help and talk to them about what has happened to their sibling. And we also work, like, with the chronic population, so kids that have been sick for a long time and really on a journey towards end of life. So our child life specialists work very closely with that family just about planning, um, legacy building, and, again, just making sure everyone in that family, including the siblings, understands what's happening. Sharon, would you please tell us the age range of the children that your staff generally works with? Well, we definitely would 
include, you know, if there were infants in the family and just signs and stuff that we can help parents to recognize just how children are coping with um, with the experience of loss or death. Um, but typically it's that older toddler up to sometimes older, you know, 18-year-olds. So it just depends on the need of the family. Um, we are just really here to make sure that they truly understand what's happening and someone is explaining to them in words that they can understand. Um, whether it be a traumatic event, you know, I often just encourage the mom, dad, or whoever the caretaker is to go in and sit down and talk to them and understand that it is going to be a very difficult conversation to have, but at the same time it's very important to have that conversation with children about the loss of a loved one. And how do you and your staff help guide families to be able to use the words, because I have found over time, uh, depending on that age range, that many times children will just kind of back away from it and like, I don't want to hear this. How, how do Correct. you all kind of get over that hurdle? Well, oftentimes, I, I'd like to just kind of use a, a scenario, if I could say, but um, let's just say it's a child that was hit by a car and we know that he's not going to make it um it's to go in and talk to the mom and dad one-on-one -on -one and just explain you know the importance of including this brother and sister in the information and what's happening they children are smart you know they can see that people are crying they can hear conversations that adults are having and I think we just try to make sure that you know the caretaker understands that they need to hear it. They need to hear it from you. They need to hear it from a loved one. You know, we're here to support them, but to actually go in the room and explain that, you know, this child's body was hurt and it was injured and what actually happened, you know, that he was hit by a car and, you know, he came to the hospital because he, we tried to make him better. And we know at this time that we're not going to be able to make him better. And we also just kind of talk about how our brain works, how our body works and, you know, things that we need to work within our body to stay alive. And so when those things don't work, such as your ability to breathe or your heart to beat, that we know that we can't stay alive and that we would die. And we encourage the parent to use that word because sometimes kids still don't get it when we dance around the situation and say that they're not going to be with us or they're going to go away or they just it's too hard to just say that word die and so we sit with the parents and say like we need to use that word and oftentimes I can say that I find myself coming back and kind of supporting the parent at the end of the conversation saying, do you understand what we're saying? Do you understand that your brother is going to die? And so it just takes that bit of information for the children typically to get it, as you say. Um, but, yeah, some kids don't necessarily want to talk about it or they don't understand the finality of it. You know, um, we explain that he's not going to be able to be with us each day or he's not going to eat his favorite food anymore and we're not going to be able to talk to him like we're talking right now. Um, so we, we help the family or we help the child based on their age to understand a little bit better of what we're trying to tell them. It's often a challenge even for us, you know, especially working in with organ donation to explain to adults, you know, when they see someone who has suffered a major trauma or a head injury to explain that that is death. So I can imagine the challenges that you guys must have, you know, to, uh, you know, first 
having the mom or the dad saying the word, you know, death to, to the sibling. Uh, and second, you know, to have that, you know, child understand. Uh, I can imagine that's an, a, certainly a big challenge for you. Yes. And, you know, as I explained when I introduced the services that we're here to offer to a family, um, and we get to the point of having a conversation with other children, you know, I always say, like, Obviously, it's best if it comes from you, but I know that this is a difficult conversation for you to have with your children, and it's one that you never expect to have. Um, I'm here. I want to explain to you, if your kids were right here, this is what I would say to them. So sometimes it just kind of gives them a little bit of um, preparation, I guess, of what I need to go in and say um, to my other children. And I also say I would love to sit with you while you talk to them if you feel like you need that support. At any time, I can jump into the conversation to continue explaining. Or if you want me to be the one that shares this information with your children, I would be happy to do that because most of all, I'm just I'm there to support them, you know, um, and explaining to them that at the moment it's almost like you have a secret that you're holding on to because you haven't given them that information. But once we talk about it and it's out in the open, you're going to feel much better about the situation and, you know, knowing that your other children have been included and have been informed. And it sounds like that, that you are able, and I'm sure your staff also, are able to present this in a positive way because, you know, the negativity that is attached to death uh, generally overrides any sort of, of positive atmosphere. But it sounds like you all are able to do that in that sort of manner. Absolutely. You know, like, unfortunately, we can't change what the outcome is going to be. Um, sometimes we can have the conversation of it's going to go down one path or the other. And, you know, but it's always so important to keep children well-informed, even at the beginning of the hospitalization. Um, and this is for if it's a brother or sister in the hospital or a parent, a grandparent. I think it's just important to make sure that we're providing simple, honest information to kids. Because if they're not hearing it from us and they're overhearing adult conversations, they're not truly getting the the correct message all the time. And so sometimes when I sit down with kids and say, tell me about your loved one, why are they in the hospital, the information is not always correct. So I just try to point that out to the to the caregiver. Um, and then also just making sure that along the journey that we're keeping them informed, but, you know, especially at the end, it's it's just making sure that I am I'm supporting, I'm providing that information, um, and I'm just, I'm helping that parent as best as I can, you know, and simple, honest information is always really the best that I can tell a parent is the best way to go, you know. I love to hear that, really. That that sort of, to hear you say that just makes my heart feel good, because I know a lot of times we we in the field have a tendency to get mighty wordy, and so for yeah. you to put it that way is just really a, that's a wonderful service, Sharon. We feel blessed to be able to provide this to our families because it's truly, it's just, it, it's a calling. It's my ministry, you know, to be able to work with these individuals and just to be a part of this tender moment in their life. Like, uh, I mean, I just, I'm thankful that I'm able to be there for them. And uh, you are a blessing. And I just want to say you are speaking truth because uh, 20 years ago I lost a parent and this did not happen. Yeah. I'm going to hold back the tears, but this is really needed. 
That's yeah, really good. absolutely. Well, and I'll also say outside of the children's hospital, we often get consulted to work with the children or grandchildren of our adult patients in our facility that are dying. Um, and also like newly diagnosed parents who say to me often, you know, like, I just found out I have cancer. You know, how do I go home and tell my kids this? And so we just sit down and have a conversation about how to present this, how to explain it to them, how to still be hopeful, but also how to be real, you know. Um, So at the time of death, like the consults that we receive for families when um, an adult is dying, we, again, just it's to go over there and just to support these families that are going through a tragedy, you know, and how do you help these children understand that they're going to lose their parent? And, you know, even for them, um, I've done beautiful sort of memory-making opportunities with some um, children, you know, where we did mom's handprint in the middle and then all the kids' handprints around. And they're like, if you didn't come, we would never have this, you know. And so it's just it's those, it's those little pieces, I think, sometimes that I'm just thankful that staff recognize it. They needed it, and they needed to call us, and so we were able to go and, and answer that call for them. That's wonderful. And, you know, one of the things that, that just hearing you say this, uh, as Lori had mentioned many years ago, there just was not this sort of services available. And to be able to offer this to families and, and to the children, uh, I think it's just wonderful that, that there's people like you out there that's helping yes. them through this. And, yes. and and you had mentioned also about the uh, in the future you were going to have a resource center that people from all over the state might be able to uh, find grief Access. support groups. Or- so we are in the process right now of building a freestanding children's hospital, Our Lady of Lake Children's Hospital, um, and it will be a hospital just for kids. And so we're super excited about that. Um, But it'll also care for children from all over Louisiana and at times outside of Louisiana. Um, But our goal is to have a resource center within that hospital where children or families can come and call or come to the location and actually um, we're, our goal is to have a database of information, whether it be a newly diagnosed child and how to find out just services that are offered to, you know, further care or learn about that diagnosis. But then also just finding out resources if it's grief counseling, if it's camps that are for children who are grieving the loss of a loved one. You know, it's just an opportunity and a central location for families to access to find out what services can I tap into and what is available to our family. And, you know, that's what will really be helpful. I have to say on on kind of another note here for LOPA, you know, we are always at a loss to find these sort of resources for families and to be able to, you know, tap into what you all are getting ready to present here will be wonderful access for us and our donor families, too. So, uh, you know, you guys are just doing a wonderful, wonderful job Well, thank here. you so much. I think it's great, and I think it's amazing to see the change over, um, just from my personal experience, over 20 years. So I'm encouraged by this. I'm going to follow this story. Um, if you heard something that you want to learn more about or maybe you want to follow this process of what's to come here in the state of Louisiana, all you have to do is send us a line at info at lopa.org.
At this point in the podcast, we do want to honor a hero as we do in every podcast. Yeah, Lori, this hero that we'll be honoring is Christopher Michael Solomon. This was written by a member of his family. Christopher was an avid hunter and fisherman who loved to be outdoors or on the water. His life revolved around his close friends and family. He lived every day like it was his last and never turned down an opportunity to have a little fun or get into a little trouble. He was stubborn and hard-headed, as any young man is. He lives on today through the gift of organ donation. Knowing this helps his family with his loss. He is truly missed and will never be forgotten. We love you and miss you more and more every day. You are our very own special angel looking down on our family every day. Keep us safe, Christopher. I was looking at his picture while you were reading his story. Um, you can see Christopher's picture at lopa.org, and you can also learn the stories of other heroes here in the state of Louisiana. So lopa.org. Thank you, Christopher, for the gift of life. our question and answer segment today. Can I donate my body to science and still be an organ, eye, and tissue donor? And the answer to that, Lori, is yes. Now, the important thing to remember is when you want to donate your body to science, you have to do it ahead of time with a particular school or, or whatever uh, research company that you choose. But you can't just do it upon death at that time. So you would have to check with them uh, many of them, it is, is very much okay to be able to donate uh, organs and eyes. Tissue is a little different uh, with the ability to donate uh, organs, tissue, and eye in conjunction with body to science. But organ and eye, oftentimes, in many cases, it, it is uh, something that you can do uh, in conjunction with the other. But uh, it's important to check with whichever uh, company or, or uh, university that you uh, would like to donate your body to science too. And if you're curious, we certainly have information about donating your body to science on our LOPA website. That's uh, lopa.org, L-O-P-A dot org. Okay. And if you have questions you want to send our way, info at lopa.org. And hey, do want to tell you, if you listen on iTunes and you like what you hear, uh, leave us a rating. It helps other people find our podcast and learn more and hopefully save more lives. Another episode of The Gifted Life in the books. Yep, Lori. I want to give thanks to David Fleming, the president and CEO of Donate Life America, for sharing a little bit about the partnership that uh, DLA has with Apple. I can't wait to see the results from that campaign. Right? Yes. And then, of course, we want to thank uh, Mr. Ezel Holland for coming on. Such a character. I enjoyed that conversation. No, that's amazing. 30 years with that kidney. And thanks to Sharon Westbury for sharing with us what they do for children in grief and what more information is coming out of Lady of the Lake Hospital through the pediatric hospital once it's completed. We thank her for joining us. Yes, we love when people um, give up their time to help us learn more, uh, to be better, and to inspire. So that's amazing. And listen, we have this hotline. Sally, do you have uh, the number? Yes, I yeah. think I, I do. Oh, let me Matter see. of fact, I do. It's 504 
648-3477. Was she looking or by memory, Jeff? That's by memory. My memory. I uh-huh. love it. We always talk about this hotline that we have. We want you to use it. You can give shout outs on it. Um, talk to those in the donation world or outside. Somebody who's making a difference would be great. Um, we did have a message in our box, which we love, and we want to share that audio with you. Um, and then we'll talk about it after. But take a listen. Go organ donation. Go LOPA. This is Wendy Lipsy calling, and I wanted to thank Troy so much for the wonderful video filming and getting editing, the wonderful piece, putting it together for me for the dance competition in Cleveland. This is Wendy Lipsy calling, and thank you so much for helping us be a part of that. Um, It was a wonderful event, and I'm so glad I'm alive and well and grateful for my donor that I was able to participate in such a wonderful event and celebrate life and dance for my life. And thanks to people like y'all at LOPA who make it possible for us to help spread organ donation awareness. So thank you, Troy, for helping, um, for doing this entire video and editing it and making it as wonderful as it is. Y'all have a great night. Good night. Well, that was Wendy Lipsy, the disco duck dancer herself. (laughs) It is, yes. She was a liver and kidney uh, recipient from March of last year and, and, of course, doing wonderful things with that life-saving, those life-saving gifts. And that special thing she gave out to Troy is, is not only, none other than our producer, Troy. Woo! Yay, Troy Perez, who makes, who makes everything here sound much better if you'd hear it uh, in its original form. It is amazing. <laughs> Amen. Yes. What he does with it. Thank you, Troy. I love it. Well, that was fun. It was. I like that. All right, so we want to hear from you. Um, We'll use your audio here, but go out and do something today that you don't normally do to help make life happen. Have a good one. (laughs) 